But nevertheless, I, I want to I want us to come together now at this point. Thank you for those of you who have prayed. Um, let me. Uh, there we go. Recording in progress. Thank you all for coming out and praying. Um, how many of you know that if we don't if we don't seek the presence of God, nothing nothing that we do matters. I don't I don't care how much Bible we know. I don't care what it is that we do. We must be conduits of the Holy Ghost. We must be channels of the power and the presence of God. Amen. You know, it was, it was absolutely amazing <clears throat> because yesterday I prayed, um, you know, I prayed for my wife and, um, and you know, I'm, I'm going through the kitchen and, and uh, you know, I ended up praying for healing but what I wanted to point out from this testimony is that I, I had laid hands on my wife and, you know, my hands, they, they naturally get cold easy. And, uh, well, as I laid hands, <clears throat> there was this intense and just immense heat that emitted from my hands. And as I placed on my back, like, imagine, I, the best way I can describe it is, my hands were like touching a like a, a a stove that had turned had been turned off, but they it wasn't you know scorching my hand. It was a form of heat that was a heat that <coughs> didn't harm me, <coughs> but rather transmitted life, transmitted power. And I don't know if you've ever experienced these instances where the power and the presence of God. It doesn't occur all the time, but it nevertheless does at times where where the, the, the environment begins to get hot. In fact, there have been times where, you know, when I had experienced <laughs> revival in a general setting, in a general gathering, um, uh, particularly, you know, in, in years back when I was among the youth, when I first got saved, and we were up in the mountains and it was pretty breezy. It was it was wonderful, just beautiful weather. That in fact it got quite cold at night to some extent. <clears throat> and and nevertheless, while we we're in the sanctuary and the and the the doors are open, wide open for the breeze to just channel through, the the presence of God was so thick in that place that we began to sweat. It began to feel hot. It was so thick absolutely thick with his glory you know and and so when i speak of the power when i speak of the power it's not only with regards to healing virtue and the power to cast out demons and the power to prophesy but it's the power that enables us to experience a legitimate encounter with the living God to the extent that we know that He's among us. He's among us. And, and one thing that I know for certain is if God is not among us, then this is not a, this is not a church gathering. This is not an assembly of the saints. This is this is not 
the church in the sense that <coughs> what makes it a church is that Christ is the head and that he is among us. But if there is no head, where does that leave us? We're a corpse. We're not a living body. We're a corpse because the body can't live without the head. And there is no direction. Right? <clears throat> but, you know, I, I just want to emphasize that. Because I, I don't care what your background is. Some of you may have been reserved. Some of you may have been, you know, well composed and brought up with manners and you, the, the spoon got to go on the right side of the table, sit up right while you're at dinner. I don't know if that's some of our, you know, eating manners. I, I don't know if we grew up with that sort of stuff. But, you know, when God comes, who cares about our manners? Let the tears flow. Let the snot come down. Let yourself sweat in the presence of God as the fire of the Holy Ghost begins to burn up everything within us that is unlike Him. Amen. Amen. Don't get Catholic on me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want us to pray at this moment. Um, <clears throat> but as as uh, as I've mentioned, if you have your Bibles, um, I, I want you to just flip to Ezekiel if you're already there. Uh, good. <clears throat> let, let us pray. And I, I want us to invite... The Holy Spirit, I want you to incline your heart to God. Incline. Because if there's any blockage, I can preach till I'm blue in the face. But if, if there's any blockage, it will not profit you anything. So yield your hearts. Father, we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I want to ask right now, in, in your holy and precious name, God, that you would give me the power to proclaim your word, that you would give me unction, that you would give me the exact words to preach. Lord God, I ask right now that, that this would be meaningful in light of eternity. Father, I pray that we would not be able to dodge the word today. Father God, I ask right now that you would enable disciples to be raised up. Father God, I just come against every demonic uh, distraction, everything that would attempt to subvert from the word, anything that would attempt to negate and, and nullify and, and deminimize and to take away from, Lord God, the proclamation of your word, Lord. I pray right now that we would not be able to dodge your two-edged sword. I pray that we would be edified and, uplift and uh, uplifted and encouraged and exhorted, Lord God, after the manner of your purposes, in light of your heart, in light of your will. Lord God, I ask right now that you would sanctify us. Lord, I pray, empower us. Lord God, I ask that right now, everything that the devil would try to throw in their minds, Lord, that they would bring it low. Father, I pray that you would contradict every. Uh, satanic stronghold every satanic and demonic ideology and belief system that 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 uh, comes against your word and hostility father I pray right now that your spirit 
Lord, would rest upon each and every one of us that there would not be a single soul in this gathering today that would just be easily dismissive of everything that is preached. And Lord, I ask God that you would give me <coughs> prophetic insight. God, that, that you would change us, Lord, by the power of your spoken word. May it speak to consciences and hearts. Yes, Lord, I pray for those that are feeling distressed and under the bondage of sin. Wipe away their guilt. Wipe away, Lord, I pray right now, all their guilt and shame and condemnation. Father, I ask God right now in Jesus' mighty name, I just remove all condemnation, every lie of the devil. Father, speak truth to them today. Even now, may the hot anointing oil begin to flow from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And everything that, that Satan has tried to keep on them as a heavy luggage and baggage, Father, fall off right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no hiding in the light. There's no hiding in the light, Father. I, I thank you, Lord, that you're exposing every demonic attack, Lord. Even now, God. May, may the enemy not be able to hide anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. May the enemy flee seven ways and that your church come out triumphant and victorious. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for those that are waiting on an answer from God that they would gain direction today. That they will no longer abide in confusion. Even now, uh, uh, there's uh, I feel like a couple of you your heart kind of left up and like, oh, that's me. And, 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 and the Lord is targeting you for a reason. You're going to get your answer today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I pray for direction, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. 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 <clears throat> Glory to God. I, I, love, I love the Holy Ghost, man. I love the Holy Ghost. You know, it was powerful. Just yesterday, I got invited to a little men's thing, and and uh, there was this brother who had come in, up, you know, unexpectedly. And I was praying that people would come in unexpectedly. We ended up praying for him, and God just began to show me things about his life. And, man, the tears began to flow, and the presence and the anointing just came. And... Uh, Man, just Satan couldn't hide, man. The, whatever the devil tried to put on him was just abolished. And and how many of you know that Jesus has come to set the captives free? He's in he's he's in the business of setting captives free. He, and and this is this is for someone. You know, there's a lot. There's a couple of you. You have uh, thoughts in your mind about God. And, and you can't help but to think of him as some hard taskmaster. Um, what that means, in other words, you can't help but the, you always have these negative thoughts about, and they're not even your thoughts, they're thoughts of the devil that are putting them in your mind. You're, it's like always reoccurring, saying, <coughs> God is always displeased, God is always, and it's always negativity. That's not the heart of God. That is not the heart of the Lord. And the Spirit of God is in the business of, of liberating. The Bible says wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, you can be assured that if people are addicted or if they're in bondage, that the Spirit of God, the heart of God, the, the heart of the Father says, I don't want that person to abide in shame, <clears throat> in guilt, in torment. But he wants to liberate every single soul and that our hearts be filled with joy to the uttermost. Joy. That is the heart of, of your father. That is the heart of God, is joy. And if, if it's not conducive and leading to joy, then something is off. And it's not that God is lacking in his heart to give to you, but rather it's lacking in our perspective of God. It's rather lacking in our perspective of what the Lord wants to bestow to you. He is not greedy. He is not some uh, God that, that um, you know, um, shortchanges you. He has already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has already given you his son. He has already shed, he has already given his son and, 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 and permitted that his blood be shed. The Bible says that by his stripes we have been healed. The Bible says by his wounds we have been made whole. There is healing in the atonement. There is forgiveness. In the atonement, there is restoration in the atonement. There is wholeness in his blood. There is forgiveness in the cross. There is liberty by his spirit. Amen. Some of you have, have yet to taste victory. Some of you are have to yet to taste liberty. But let me assure you <coughs> that it is attainable and it's available and it's not something that you have to work for. It's as simple as believing God for and receiving it by faith. Receiving it by faith. You don't have to lash yourself or do any of those things. You don't have to crawl on glass. You don't have to cover yourself in sackcloth. You don't even have to shed a single tear. All that God asks of us is to turn our hearts toward him with a heart of belief to say, you know what? I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me. And I believe that your word declares to me these uh, uh, promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Yes, and amen in Christ Jesus to the glory of God. The Bible says he will not give his glory to another. He always does all things unto his glory. So let me ask you this question. If the foundation of God answering your prayer is, is his very glory, why would God not answer something that would glorify himself? If, if, not, if not for your sake, for his glory's sake. For his mercy's sake, David Amen. said, answer thou me. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why? Because he wants to let the world know that there's a God in, in the church. You know, we like the Old Testament saints used to say that there's a God in Israel. But you know what? There's a God here in uh, Aramitz today who answers by fire. That the yeah. pagans may know, that the world may know, that the devil may know, that Pharaoh may know. That there's a God who answers by fire.
Hallelujah. You know, and uh, some of you might be tempted to think that this is like popcorn preaching, like there's no direction or anything like that. See, if if you're tempted to think that, then you're not sensitive to the Lord because the reason why before I even get to these texts, I say what I'm saying is because there are some of you that are looking to God for answers and I would not be a good servant and minister of the Lord if I just dismissed it and bypassed it. There are some things that you need to hear from God and as I yield, as I listen to the Spirit, I'm saying them purposefully. And and it may not minister to the person, uh, uh, to the, the other account here on Zoom. But you know what? Tomorrow it might be you. You know, how many, uh, let me say this. There, there have been people in this group, because I want us to think collectively, not just individually. There have been people in this group that God has stopped from committing suicide because I stopped and I said, there's some, one of you in this group, you want to commit suicide. And the Lord says, you shall not die, but live, saith the Lord. And they were going to, you get what I'm saying? So I, I need to be obedient to the Spirit. Amen. Because people matter. You matter. The church matters. Amen. So <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 23. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 23. <coughs> By God's help, I hope to be speaking to you about intercession, intercessory prayer. I, as you all know, I love this topic, um, this the subject of prayer very, very much, and spoken about importunity in prayer, about faith in prayer, praying in tongues. I've, I've covered praying in tongues, of, and, and the, the 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 topics um, can continue. But one thing I know, I may have mentioned in passing, but I haven't devoted an entire just teaching on this particular aspect. As I've said, you might have heard me say things about intercessory prayer um, in passing in other you know, sermons and whatnot, but nothing specifically devoted exclusively to this topic and this topic alone. Um, <clears throat> here's the reason why we need to cover this. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says this, I would that men... Uh, that he says, first of all, he says, uh, I would that prayers, supplications, and petitions, and intercessions be made for all men. And so, you see from the mind of Paul, writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor in the Lord, Paul is giving him prescriptions on how to conduct the household of God. These are not suggestions. Let me say this, if prayer is absent, and true preaching is absent. It's just a religious social club. I don't care how you slice it, dice it. I don't care how good. If there is no preaching of the word and there is no prayer, if Christ is not exalted through those two means, it's just a religious social club. It's a religious AA and NA meeting. <laughs> and seriously, it is. And there's some. There's a lot of those social clubs out there and it won't affect change at all 
it, it might feel good. You know, we, we, we get the, uh, give people a religious, uh, foot rub and pats on the back and we feel pretty consoled and we have, you know, probably good food afterward, but I'm not interested in that. I want the living God among us. I, I, I want real change. And so Paul gives Timothy these prescriptions. He says to pray and intercede. And he says, and then some following verses later, he says, for God wills for all to be saved. And to come to repentance. And so these are, this is what Paul expects to be in every church. It's universal. So <clears throat> intercessory prayer is not an accessory or an add-on to the Christian life. It is so central to the advancing of the gospel. It is absolutely necessary if we are to see gospel advancement. Because how many of you know there are people working for that crafty, deceitful devil that are in the demonic realm that are not praying for you, they're praying on you. You know, just recently there was this um, brother, um, not a brother, well, for all intents and purposes, as far as my eyes could discern, he's a brother. I didn't know the guy, but I had gone to some uh, meeting some time back, and uh, this guy that I didn't know tried praying for me. <clears throat> I'm going to sound rude, but I kind of, he put his hand on my shoulder, I removed his hand off my shoulder, I shook my head, no, don't pray for me. And the reason why is because I don't, I don't want anyone's hands on me. You might be filthy. I don't know what you carry. You get what I'm saying? And so in other words, you know, someone might interpret that wrongly. What, you know, how is that bad? It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think for a moment that just because what someone thinks they want to do for you is a good thing that it is necessarily good. Right? Right. Where is it coming from? What's their source? Where are they drawing from? If I don't know you, you know, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, I don't know a man until I've prayed with him. Amen. Because I and and and, and because I, I need to discern, I need to pick up what what are you carrying? You know, there's times where, you know, I, I've I've been around people and I sense that you carry a perverted spirit. I don't need you praying for me. You get what I'm saying? And so um, <clears throat> my point is that those in the demonic realm are preying on you. And so we need to be praying for lost men and for the church. Okay, so let, let us read Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 23. Um, I don't, I don't want to scare you. Like, I don't want you all like racing through your head now. Like, oh, who prayed for me? This, this and that. You know, um, just, I, I, I rebuke that right now. <laughs> you know, it may come off in Jesus' name. You know, so, um, and I, I hope that as you come, you feel the anointing just basking this place. Or, I mean, I, I don't know how to really define this place because you're all in different places. But this virtual place, so to speak. Um that chains would fall off. 
Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the land, You are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people. <coughs> Take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. You know, I just want to stop there for a minute. Um, just to interject, because I want to ed- give you guys a little point for education. <clears throat> Priests, let's call them Old Testament pastors. For all intents and purposes, let's just call them Old Testament pastors. The, the Lord is saying that there are priests that do violence to the law. And the same is true for today. Just because you got a suit and a tie and just because you got an ordination don't mean that you're not doing violence to the law of God. In other words, you're really not proclaiming this. You're you're proclaiming whatever you want it to say. You know, I put on my Instagram stories that said we're in a great, a terrible day and age that we get our theology from Gen Z Christian influencers and not true teachers of the word. I'm not saying that that, that, that that just because you're age that you can't speak truth. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not being belittling. But generally speaking, there tends to be a famine of the word, even on TikTok. A lot of fear-mongering, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, there's no impartation of life. It's just manipulation and tactics to get their stuff to be inputted in the algorithm. And so it's like you're already off on the wrong footing. If you're using manipulation and tactics, is that the spirit of God? I'm not even concerned about how much Bible you know. Because at the end of the day, I'm just going to leave more informed as a dead man or as someone that's on spiritual, uh, uh, um, what do they call it? Life support, barely holding on, just more informed now. And, And now I know how much more I'm not living up to. I I posted something by Prophet Tommy, and he said this. He says, the difference between a prophet and a psychic is source. It's source. What source are you drawing from? To be able... See, here's where a lot of church, they, they, they don't understand that a psychic can tell you true things. They can. They can tell you how much money you got in your bank account. They can tell you how much money you got in your pocket. They can even tell you your first and last name. Take it to the bank. I know what I'm talking about. But their source is contaminated because they're drawing from demonic spirits. You know, someone wanted to contest with me because I posted on, you know, Ray Comfort's thing. He had encountered someone that was demonic possessed. He never, he never gets around to casting the demons out. And I said, you know, he says, all you got to do is preach the gospel. I said, no, that's a lie. It's not true. Because it, it, is the gospel necessary and you got to preach to them? Yes. But here's the thing. Jesus gave us a prescription on how to deal with this stuff. And we basically, he says, serve them an eviction notice. And the, there, were, there were people that were contesting with what I'm saying. And they were saying, oh, how dare you and this, this and that. And how do you know they're genuinely possessed and stuff like that? And this lady said that she was talking with familiar spirits. Right? 
and she was saying that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and all this stuff. And I asked them a very simple question, and they didn't respond to me. I said, where do thoughts come from? They asked me, how do I know she's possessed? And I said, how do, how, I said where do thoughts come from? And where I was getting at is thoughts come from spirits. Okay? Well, if there is a spirit, there is a thought saying Jesus is married to Mary Magdalene that's coming from a spirit. What spirit is that coming from? A familiar spirit. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. So how do I know she's possessed? Because she is propagating these demonic doctrines. I don't even have to see a manifestation and know that that person is not filled with the Holy Spirit. John says this, we know those who are from God because they listen to us, right? Jesus says, they that receive you receive me. That's what Jesus said, speaking of the apostles. So if they are purporting the apostles' doctrine and they receive you, then you know this person is from God. And, and you know, and, and someone else said, you know, um, uh, unless someone's, you know, cutting themselves and in tombs, that the manifestation should look like that. No, you see, here's the thing. People who haven't encountered the demoniac want to educate people that that have. And let me tell you this, a really good re- way that you know someone's demonically possessed is every time you get around to the gospel, they're looking away and they're distracted. They're always looking, as, uh, and they'll change the subject like that. Yeah. They feel so frantic. You know why? Because the demons in them are being tormented. And so, I've, I've, I've had it, you know, I've seen it, and they want, it's like, um, it's like a drug dealer who's being questioned by a cop. <laughs> that's a, that's a good, that's a good way to describe it. You, you feel antsy. Oh, you, oh man. And then the cop's asking, why do you feel so, why do you, why are you so nervous? Oh, you know, uh, um, you know. Because the wicked flee when no man pursues. Their conscience is guilty. And so anyways, my point in bringing up the priests is that there's a lot of people um, doing violence to the law today. And, and it's, it's a sad tragedy. And profane my holy things. You know, there's a lot of profaning of holy things too. You know, a lot of times, you know, it's so sad to me that the majority of the church is so blind that when they enter into a church, they immediately say, ah, God is here. And and because they feel the, you know, emotional goosebumps, and they think immediately God's there, and it's like, I've been to the churches, and I'm like, God's not here. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. And they will even use the Bible. You know why? Because they're profaning the worship. There are people with filthy hands trying to ascend to the hill of the Lord. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm saying people that are playing games with God, they're just it's just a joke to them. Well, God's going to treat your meeting like a joke if you treat him as a joke. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> to the pure, you show yourself pure. To the scoffers, you will scoff at them. You know, that's that's why I, I refuse to lighten up. I've, I've had many people say you're too serious about 
you know, this and this and this and that. And it's like, no. It's like uh, what min- one minister said. He says, when are we going to get serious about being serious about the most serious thing? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't walk around with joy. But we're to treat the presence of God with such a sanctity. Amen. If marriage is sacred, and these other things are sacred, how are we... See, you got to understand this. Let, let, me just, let me just veer off here for a bit. What made Esau... Why did the Bible define him as a fornicator and profane and unholy? Why? Because he treated that which is holy as something common. See, David wasn't an unholy man, even though he slept with Bathsheba. I'm not saying that the act was okay. That was sin. But he was still a holy man. This might blow up your mind, like this categories in your head. Like, how? Why do you think the Lord had mercy on him? Even though he killed a man, he betrayed his own people, and he slept with another man's wife. And yet there are other people who committed less sins and God struck them down dead. Because they were unholy. David was not. David had a fear of God. And in his time of vulnerability, he blew it bad. And yet you can look so polished on the outside and be this unholy person that shows disdain and a lack, uh, an indifference to the presence of God. You just shrug your shoulders and it's like, eh. You you get you see how that's worse than adultery. The the, the shoulders that goes like this just shrugs and like, eh. You know, eh. It's just God. Right. It's it's just God, the one who spoke everything to existence. It's just Him. So let let us let our hearts revere revere God, revere Him. Amen. And you know what? When he when you revere him, he prioritizes you. He he places you on his priority list. He does. You know what? Can I tell you a secret? God has favorites. I know that you don't believe that, because it might make you feel less. Than, but God has his favorites. Ask Peter, James, and John. Intimacy. Intimacy with Christ. That's why when I go to the, the things where where you know, like if I, I've gone to services, man services, let me just let me say this, and I hope it doesn't offend us. God, I have in my experience witnessed that God moves less around men because they're so proud to worship around other men. That's why He ain't speaking to you. And that's why, you know, it's funny because I, in my experience, I've seen so many prophetists and very few prophets. You know why? Because women are actually more interested in being intimate with God. And they don't care if tears, they, if they did their makeup, their snot coming down, you know, crying, this and this and that. But when, when there's, man, they don't want to lift their hands. They're, they're looking around to see who else is looking. I'm not saying for every man, but I say this because we need to be intimate with God. Who cares about what other, what other people think and say? Amen. Who cares? Amen. 
You weren't so concerned about your image when you were getting drunk in the club and slobbering over everybody. Well, we need to be filled with God and not care about what people say. You know, the, the world does it when they go to their trashy concerts. Look at David. Look, David said, man, he, he, he danced till he was naked. And he says, I, I'm willing to, be, uh, to look more of a fool than this. I want that to be here where we don't care to, if we look like fools. But, you know, I'm going to just skip down to verse 30, just get to the point. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the Lamb, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. You know why I believe that God is not condemned and, and poured out his wrath to such an enormous extent on America for all its bloodshed? Because there are praying saints today that are withholding, that are serving as a dam that prevents the waters of God's wrath to come upon this nation. Because how many lives of unhold Babies, millions have been shed and we, we're not consumed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me say this, America's worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. You know why? Because, you know, as what one great minister pointed out, Sodom had no Bible. They were sinning as lost men who didn't even know the law of God. This predates Moses. So what are they sinning against? Just conscience. You know what America is sinning against? The blood of Christ and so great a salvation. And so... But look at here in the text, verse 30 says, I look for someone. So God is looking for someone. It's not that, you know, it's, it's metaphoric in the sense that, you know, God doesn't really have to go in a quest looking as if he's going to discover something new. Um, this is language to describe nonetheless that God is desiring someone to stand in the gap. Look, let me give you a good example. Do you know that there are some things that are plaguing people's life that will remain until you pray for them? I'll prove it from Scripture. Paul, even if they are called, Paul was struck with blindness. See, the Lord could have just appeared to him and got him knocked off the horse and maybe had a little backache after. <laughs> like, oh man, I got knocked off that horse, that sucked. And the Lord appeared to him, but he was struck with the blindness. The Lord could have prevented that from occurring, but the Lord decided to do so. And see, when I, I believe the man's name was Simon the Tanner. I, I might be mistaken about that, but in the book of Acts, when the Lord appears to Simon, let's just, for all intents and purposes, say his name it's was Ananias. Ananias. Thank you, Daniel. I can trust in my biblical encyclopedia here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, bro. You, you know, I, I, you, you, uh, 
here's a, a a great brother he knows a lot in the lord i appreciate him dearly um just that the lord continues to use you brother and to bring uh truth to the body of christ um but ananias there you go when the lord had appeared to ananias what happened um he says you know i have a man named saul i want you to go pray for him and it says behold he's praying so paul was in the act of praying and yet did not have the recovery of sight it wasn't until ananias laid his hands on paul that the scales fell off it wasn't until moses prayed for pharaoh that the plague ceased you know what I love is God, you know, Elijah prayed for revi- national revival in the book of 1 Kings. And the Lord, who, the God who was in Israel answered by fire. But that self-same God was the God in, in the book of Genesis that prevented the fire. from. Uh, he, he quenched the fire. So God can answer by fire or he can quench the fire of his wrath through the vehicle of intercessory prayer. See, this is how you know that God is on you, that there would be pharaohs that hate God's people and they come to you in humility and ask you for prayer. They come and and plead for your prayers. Do you believe Pharaoh was serving God? Absolutely not. He was fighting against God. But yet Moses had such an intimacy with God that even rulers had come before his little prayer booth and said, pray for me. (laughs) That's a prayer ministry. You know, I I love because I had just recently my old homeboy, he reached out to me and and he's he's, um, far, you know, he's not just like, you know, goody goody, but just don't know Jesus. Like he's in the gangs, you know, guns, streets, all that stuff. And like he's heavy into that and very influential in the world. And he came to me on messenger and asked me for prayer. He's never asked me for prayer before. And as I began to pray for him, God began to show me specific things about his life. Just one after another, just hitting things on the head. And what I loved was this. I prayed against anxiety and panic attacks and he was experiencing them. And he told me, he said, after I prayed for him, he said, bro, I literally felt the presence of God. I haven't sensed that in years since I was a little boy and my mama took me to church. For years. And then afterward, I began to see him post things about God. What does that mean? It means this. Is that the world needs a touch from God. But you must understand that the Lord is looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's looking for people like you and I to stand in the gap. You know why? Because if, especially for wicked people, they're not serving the living God. And so, so there's no connection between them and the Lord. You know, so so God will have grace and favor and mercy upon those who don't know him for your sake. 
Because you have this connection with, with, with Christ. That's, that's Bible. Look at what happened when a, someone slept with, uh, or was about to sleep, I forget, with Abraham's wife. And he didn't know. He didn't sin. He didn't know that that was his wife because Abraham lied and said that was his sister. And then the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, you know, this, this, and that. He said, you're, you're taking another man's wife. And then what happened was he said, have my servant Abraham pray for you and you will be healed. And so in other words, God is looking for people to pray for those Who's, who's, uh, who's wrath, uh, who's, uh, God's wrath abides upon. But the question is this, do, do you and I stand in the gap for people? Do you and I have hearts of compassion that reach out? And here's the thing, you can't use this as an excuse that you're not a preacher because the prayer, the ministry of prayer is open and com- open to all and commanded by God for all to, to occupy themselves in. So you can't say, I'm, I'm not a preacher, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't require for you to preach in order to pray. But here's the thing. It is difficult for the vast majority of Christians to give themselves because it is one of the most selfless acts that you can do. See, sometimes it's much more easier to give money to a homeless man because once you give money, then it's, you know, it's like... There, you know, it's like, oh, hi, bye. I'm going on about my day. I, you know, because here's the thing: people will rather have time than they have money. Sometimes people got so much money, and they would wish they wish they could buy up the time. You can't get time back, but you can get money back. And so it's easy to pay people off and say, you know, if they ask for $5 or whatever, give them $5 and, you know, they're out of your life. But it's a whole other thing if the Lord tells you to get on your face and begin to intercede for those and to continue to believe and believe even when you don't see change. To continue to pray and pray and pray. It's like working and, and, and working in the harvest field and you don't even get to taste fruit. Here's how much of a selfless act it is. Sometimes God tells you to work in the harvest field. Work, work, work. Endure the heat of the day. Praying for someone. Sowing seeds. And then someone else ends up getting to reap your fruit. Oh well, thanks. I was breaking my back. I'm in the heat. I don't get to taste that. (laughs) But right, one plants, one waters. But God gives the increase. But... That's a that's a that's a test to our own hearts. How how much of love and of Christ are we filled with? We can enter into any nation today if we pray. My guess is that we we either don't care, therefore don't pray, or we care but we don't believe it works. I'm here to tell you today that it works. I've been praying for my friend. I shared this testimony with some of you. I've been praying for my friend. He just got out of prison. He's been spent half a decade in prison. And uh, 
he reached out to me too. This is a different one from the one I just told you about. And he was reaching out to me about the Lord. And I've been praying for him for an entire decade. Another, my friend, just about like a month ago, two months ago, he got out of prison spending five years. I've been praying for him for an entire decade. And uh, he just recently started going to church. Whether or not they've passed from death unto life, I'm not so sure. But until I'm assured that that has occurred, I will continue to bring their names up before the Lord. There's one time, let me tell you this, I I think I've shared this testimony before. I was a baby Christian, I was 18 years of age. I was say, oh actually 17. I was just, um, God bless you sister. Um, I I was just saved and, um, and, and I'd gotten off work. And, uh, and then I, and as I crossed the street, I noticed my friend that I was hanging out with on a daily basis. I had noticed him before I got saved. I was hanging out with him on a daily basis. He was lying in a pool of his own blood. And well, he, you know, he's in, he was a criminal and in the gang life and stuff. And he got into some trouble and they pummeled him over the head, you know, with some metal and busted his head and he fell on the ground. He's lying in his own blood. And, uh, <clears throat> well, the, the firefighters and the ambulance was there. One of the firefighters told me to hold the flashlight as they're trying to help him. And, um, I began to pray. I began to pray. I didn't know his state, but he wasn't responsive. He wasn't responding to them. For all I know, he could have been dead. Well, he ended up flatlining. You know, the you, for those of you that don't know what flatline is, that thing, you know, the doctors go, boop, boop. When it flatlines, it means there's dead. they're dead. Well, he flatlined. And I believe, and well, he's here today. I, I haven't heard him for a couple of years, but a couple a couple years ago, he reached out to me. I didn't, I had, I had not heard from him since then. But I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, I was going to encounter this. But as I prayed, he ended up living. And I believe I'm fully convinced that if I was not there that day, he would have died and gone to hell. I believe that he was on the verge of going to be cast to hell by God. But one of God's children came in the nick of time and began to pray for his soul. And I believe the Lord said, because of the sake of my son's prayers, you're not done today. You're not going to die. I will give you a second chance. Amen. Amen. That is the power of of prayer. And so, the Lord says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. You know why he's talking about a wall? Because he describes prayer warriors as watchmen. You know, it says, you know, in Isaiah that I've set watchmen over the wall. He says, give me no rest, neither day nor night. In other words, what he's talking about there is, I want you to pray without ceasing. And I've set you over walls. 
in order for you to be able to see while others are sleeping. That's what watchmen did. They watched for intruders so that they can sound the alarm for those who rested in their beds while they were on their duty. And so in other words, that means that there are going to be times where you will be robbed of sleep because God is beckoning you to begin to watch as other men sleep. This is why Jesus says what he says in uh, of, of, uh, Matthew and, and Luke. He says, um, what, what does he say? He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So watching is connected with that activity of praying. Amen. And so you may not be able to just do what you want. And this is where the Lord's going to test you. And are you willing to forfeit some of that personal time and, and give your time to watching? But here, here's the scary part is you're probably going to be able to, you're probably going to be shown things and you will see things that you did not intend on seeing. You didn't want to see. It's too heavy to bear. Amen. It's too heavy. <clears throat> the build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. So in other words, you're serving, serving as some mediator, not in terms of, you know, like Christ, where there's only one mediator between God and man, but a mediator in the sense of God wants you to join in, in as a co-laborer in fighting for men's salvation. A co-laborer. He wants to work alongside of you. He says, so I will pour out my wrath on them. So notice right there in verse 31, because there was no one that could stand in the gap, as a consequence, the Lord ends up pouring out His wrath. But suppose there was someone there, that would mean that God would not have poured out His wrath. So, you know, on your jobs and where, where you work at and where you go to school, who would you say is a good candidate to give themselves to stand in the gap if not you? If no one else, will it be you? And this is where it's challenging, right? Because I, I, would, I see the, the great, a, a big problem today in the body of Christ <clears throat> is that we often lack in praying for ourselves. And so therefore we don't really have time or we don't have the energy or we don't have the desire to even care about other people, right? And this is what Jesus says. He says, He says, Pray for your enemies. In, in the Beatitudes, he says, Pray for your enemies. Bless them that persecute you. For he reigns on the just and the unjust. And so that's going to be a challenging thing to pray for your own enemies. But let me, I want this to sink into our ears and I, I, I'm going to read a little bit more and then we'll come to a close. Do we care? 
Do we care? This this isn't going to be this isn't so much of an uplifting message as much as it is a a message that challenges us to reach out. But let let me put this let me let let me press this truth on you. Men will forever be cast away from the presence of God. And I'm not trying to be heavy-handed about this. I don't want to be more heavy than what I need to be. It's already a heavy reality. But man forever will be cast away from the presence of God. In hell. Just let that sink in for a little bit. There's times, man, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I see pitch black, right? And I can't help but think, sometimes a thought comes to my mind like, Lord, there's a place called outer darkness. Outer darkness. Where I believe the darkness is so heavy that you will feel its forces in a physical way. Today there will be 150,000 people that die. Today there will be men, there will be little children, and forgive me, I know that this is heavy reality, there will be little children that are taken advantage of of by wicked people. Today there will be women giving their bodies on a strip by several filthy exploiting men. Today there will be transvestites that will enter into a strip club to make money so they can go back and and slam some heroin in their veins. Today there will be people that will be tormented by demonic spirits saying, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. And God is asking us. He says, I've looked, but who will stand in the gap? I've looked, but who? They will forever, forever, once once that verdict is final, the doors of eternity, the doors of time are closed. They cannot come back. You know, Leonard Ravenhill said this. He says, if the church would give themselves more to sleepless nights of intercessory prayer, there would be far more, far less sinners who will have a sleepless eternal night in hell. You know, so <clears throat> I want us to I want to challenge us. What does our life of intercessory prayer look like? For the world and for the church. And I don't want this to come off as some self righteous message. I want this to come off as a message that that leads you with this understanding that this is purely from hearts of compassion.
Intercessory prayer is one of the most compassionate things you can do. And even though you do not see it, I know this, that the Lord will, will at, at the judgment bar, He will slip, he will, he will open up the curtain for us to be able to see every single result that our prayers had secured for us and will say, this person is in the kingdom today because of you. This person is in the kingdom today because of your prayers. This king, this person had been avoided committing themselves to death by a bullet in their head because you prayed when you listened to the prompting of his spirit. And, and so I, I want to urge all of us with everything that is within me. You know, you say, but they're so filthy, they're so disgusting, they're so nasty, they're so uh, violent, they're so, they, they don't deserve uh, uh, to, they don't deserve mercy. Well, that's the whole point of mercy, is that we don't deserve it. We all here today are standing as recipients of the mercies of God. Amen. And I want you to imagine, imagine if they come to Christ and they take on the beautiful uh, robe of righteousness and their character and their personality becomes irresistible to you uh, to, uh, as a friend. How beautiful their life would be cleaned up. Right now they're an enemy. Right now they're filthy. But imagine that they come to Christ and they become one of your greatest friends in the Lord. Because God shapes them up and does something radical to them. You know, I've, I've had, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure some of you had, there are some people that don't particularly like me in the church. But you know what I, you know, I say like, well, you really wouldn't have liked me back then. Because we wouldn't even have this discussion. <laughs> I don't say that to be arrogant, but I, I say that as a, you know, as a reality of I'm I'm really changed. I you know you know it's funny. I remember I remember so when I came to the Lord, right? <laughs> so I had I knew I knew someone from uh, as a little kid in elementary school, and and when I was in my life of sin, I reached out to him because I knew he was a church boy. I never really, you know, he wasn't like my close friend or anything. But when I was searching for the Lord, I knew, hey, this guy's a church boy. I'm going to reach out to him and ask him about God. Maybe he could take me to church. And so what happened was um, he ended up bringing me to church, this and this and that. And come to find out, like, his sister, when she see me in church, like, oh, no. Because I remember when I was in, in uh, I remember when I was in high school, it was my freshman year, and you know she she was like one of those sisters that just wore dresses, you know, for modesty purposes and stuff like that. And I'm just up in the chair like this, just kicking back. And then she's like, "That's my seat." I was like, "It's my seat now." I was like, "Move," <laughs> and like that was my personality. And she got offended with me that day. And so when I came in church, she's like, "Oh no, it's that jerk." <laughs> <laughs> but I say that because hey, the Lord sometimes will test you with people that you're like, oh no, oh man, I don't know about this guy. Send him to some other church. 
But honestly, you know, with all with all laughter aside, <coughs> this is a this is a heavy reality, and I, I want us to really give it due consideration because I, I I don't want people to spend eternity away from Christ. There's no exits, man. There's no exits. There's no ex- no exits in hell. And I've said before, a billion years in eternity, you're not a second closer to an exit than when you first began. You understand that? A billion years in eternity, you're not one single second closer to an exit than when you first began. I, I don't understand that. But I, I want to just read a couple of uh, more verses real quick. So Romans chapter uh, nine. I want I want you to uh, Romans chapter nine verse one. I want you to see the heart of Paul. Romans chapter nine verse one. He says this. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. And if you turn to Romans chapter 10 verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Is that they may be saved. Amen. I, I like that answer, Sister Danielle, as long as your desperate heart cries out. Let me ask you this question. If you had a son or daughter, how long would you cry for their salvation? I, lo- I-, I pray for my boy every night. And uh, I love it because <clears throat> every time I say, "Come here, boy, let me pray for you," and I put his hand, in, his head in my chest, and I put my hand on his head, and he says, uh, <laughs> "I don't know why he says million, but he says no million bad dreams." So I always pray that he has no bad dreams, but he always adds million in there, no million bad dreams, and he says, uh, uh, "Angel," he says, um, he says, uh, "Angels protect me." Like he's he's asking for me to pray that the angels would protect him. Wow. So I always pray that every but I also ask I said, Lord, sanctify him and set him apart for your purposes. May you preserve him, Lord God, until your coming. Preserve him faultless, Lord God. Set him apart for your purposes. May he never stray away from the path of righteousness. Amen. Just Amen. like you set apart Samuel, set apart my son. Amen. Never, ever allow your hand to stop bringing him to the cross. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, and that's another thing. I, I, he's not going to school. He's being homeschooled. He's going to be homeschooled. I believe it's the only way. I don't want to throw him to a lion's den. 
You know why? Because daddy's going to raise him. Mommy's going to raise him. Not those kids. Not those kids. Not those teachers. See, we want, we wonder why. And I'm not saying this is a guilt. I, I had to question everything I learned. It's an easy thing. Just, you know, hey, just take our kids to school. And I, I'm not trying to shame nobody. Guilt. I don't believe it's sort of law thing. I believe it's a conviction thing. But I would say this. I believe it's very wise that you take your kids out of school. It's going to put you at a setback. But, hey, I don't want my kid going to hell. It says, steer them up in the ways of the Lord, and when they grow older, they shall not depart. It's hard. And this is why, this is how I speak to you single folks right now. Please, please marry someone that is, is, is financially stable. If you're a woman... Please don't buy into this idea that you have to work too. And if you are working right now, I'm not shaming any of you guys. I know some of us have been called and we're learning. Uh, We've been called later in life. We're learning. We're kind of just stuck in a situation. We're trying to get out of situations. So I'm not trying to be beating anyone over the head. But I'm just saying it's, it's advisable. If you can, please just do the best you can to to find a man that can be able to provide everything that is needed so that you can uh, raise your son or your daughter right. They can have you and learn everything from you. And let me say this. I want to challenge you, parents or uh, soon-to-be parents. Who says you're to allow your kids to hang out with worldly people? Who? I think the devil said that. Oh, but my my kids, they won't have friends. It's like, you should be their friend. You're primarily a parent, but you should be friendly. Amen. <clears throat> you know, in the olden days, you know what they do? They, the kids used to work the fields as, as, as soon as they could. And, and our homes weren't so compacted together like it is today. And in many places of, of here in America... So they're at a distance. They're going to just drive to a friend's house. In many cases, there was no public education. You know, so we're we're in a situation where we just can't question the norms or what everything, how it has been. I'm saying, you know what? Question those things. Ask God. Ask God what he wants you to do. You're the priest of your home. And you will give an account for how you raised your children. So learn this now, man. And please put your sexual appetites into subjection. Because, and I'm just being raw here, your craving for sex will lead you to a pit. It will lead you to a pit. Now you're crawling out of this nonsense that you shouldn't have been in the first place. God wants the best for you and your family. He don't want you to he don't want you to have scraps and crumbs. Amen. Lord help me. Holy Spirit help me to speak what I need to say. 
Wait. Wait on God. Do what is right. I want you guys to have who you need to have. There's a lot of snakes out there. A lot of jokesters. So, um, don't take this as condemnation. Take this as like a loving, a loving encouragement, a loving warning, a loving, a loving exhortation. You know, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing that, and I don't want you to even raise your hand, um, but I'm hearing that. One of you right now are thinking about you, you're regretting that you have lost your virginity. And it wasn't long ago. But the Lord wants to heal you. The Lord wants to clean you. And He can still restore you. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to that person right now in Jesus' name? Minister to that person right now in Jesus' name. All guilt and shame come off. All guilt and shame come off right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Rivers of living water just cleanse their heart, cleanse their conscience. Let them know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you're able to take, Lord, that those ashes and make beauty. In Jesus' mighty name. So, I I just want to, I just want to, this is the last verse we'll read. Exodus chapter 32, and then we'll come to a close after this. Exodus chapter 32, beginning at verse 9. I hope this makes sense. I know this ain't no sort of three-point sermon that you give on some PowerPoint as I'm sipping on a latte. I mean, that, that looked pretty cool, right? Got a little ripped jeans, a little latte, a little cool little hairdo, a little blonde touch and little blonde streaks and stuff like that. And like uh, with a nice little collar shirt and like two times smaller than what I needed to be. <laughs> right? Just get little points and stuff like that and be, you know... Um, yeah, small medium, a schmedium. <clears throat> Buy it from Toys R Us or Build a Bear. Man, that'd make for ha! Ah, I'd have a mega church in no time. Leather boots too. Yeah. Looks like I got a uh, the pants from Baby Gap. too they they uh they get like some black like sort of i don't know what it is like tar looking stuff to look, make their beards look more like filled or something don't they do that i don't know even get like um go to the thing where they do their eyebrows too and all that but anyways 
Exodus chapter 32. But here's the thing about that. Let me just say, that's churches built around personality, not around the anointing. And I'm not interested in that that stuff. It's it's about God. It's about His anointing, man. Um, verse 9, I have seen these people. The Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that it may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Moses, he ignores the Lord's offer. Like, I'm sure some pastor's like, oh, yeah, I'll be a great nation. Heck yeah, sign me up. I really don't like these stiff-necked people. You know, and, you know, and so, but, but, the, but Moses says, Moses is more concerned about the people than he, are, than he is about being made a great nation. Yeah. And the Lord actually, you know, tells him here, <coughs> you know, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, that's how you know your prayer words. The Lord has to tell you, leave him alone. Some some of you do leave him alone, and he's saying, "Come and pray." You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't. Have, for some of you, you're like, "Lord, you don't have to tell me twice," and you leave him alone daily, and you wonder why the anointing don't flow. <clears throat> you wonder why you're so easily captivated by the charm of men. And you fall for another one. Right? Because your eyes are, not, eyes are not captivated by the Lord. Verse 11, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? And then he says, Um... Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. So in other words, the Lord is uh, Moses is appealing to the character of God, saying you don't leave unfinished product. Aren't you, Lord, able to preserve them faultless? Aren't you able to keep them? <clears throat> Why why should the heathen say God can't can't finish what he started? And so Moses is appealing to the keeping power of God. And so <clears throat> as as he's praying this, he says, Turn from your fierce anger and do not relent. So Moses is praying out of a heart of compassion here. He says, Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give your descendants all this land I promised them. So he is appealing to also the promises of God. He's looking the scripture, well, he's writing scripture because he wrote Genesis, right? But he's 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 referring to the revelation given to him and and his knowledge of what God had promised to the patriarchs and he's saying, "Look, God, you said this. And so this is how we are to pray. Lord, your compassion is slow to anger, abounding in love. God, you will for none to perish. You you cite these scriptures and say, Lord, this is what your word says. Therefore, relent from your anger. Don't let them die in their sin. Amen. 
Final verse, and then uh, we're closing here. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. (coughs) The Lord relented from his anger and did not bring on them the disaster that he had intended. And so, I want us to be encouraged here that here's a prime example of of people and remember what they were doing they had just come out of Egypt and they they had taken the rings the 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 rings that they had and the earrings and all the stuff and they created a golden calf they began to dance and Aaron said here's your gods that took you from the land of Egypt it's like you just seen the red sea part and now you're saying this nonsense <clears throat> how easily people forget how easily people forget And so, in closing, I want us to have a heart that can look on the catastrophe, look on the destruction that is upon the lives of other people and begin to pray to the Lord our God and say, Lord, relent from your anger. Turn your anger away from these people. May your wrath not come upon these people. Because by the same token, do you know by the prayers of some, the wrath of God did pour out. There were certain instances where as the people of God prayed, God poured out His anger and wrath upon the enemies of God. And so we have the wonderful privilege of coming in the heart of Christ and saying, Lord, you will for none to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so, in, um, who are those people that you love, that your heart reaches out for? And saying, Lord, <clears throat> don't let them die in their sin. Don't let them die and go into a Christless eternity without salvation. Because God is both willing and He's able to save to the uttermost. To those who come unto him through Christ. And so it's going to take people like you and myself. As God looks and says who will stand in the gap. Who will stand in the wall. And Jesus says this. Pray uh, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So all these prayers are unto the glory of God. And the advancement of his kingdom. I'm going to say this on a personal note. On a national level. There are nations here in this gathering. And we want to see the gospel advance. We want to hear more testimonies about people coming to faith in Christ through your intercessory prayers. Because here's the thing, as we pray, this is my heart's desire, as we're advancing the kingdom, we will see more people come to Christ and we all, as a collective body, will be able to rejoice that we saved one more. That one more came to Christ. One more let their sins down. One more threw up the white flag and began to surrender and say, I need Jesus for my life. And we will begin to hear testimonies. So while I do recognize that there are some that we will never see come to Christ, on the contrary, I want us to be able to use this as an instance for it to redound to the glory of God to say, hey, we saved one more from the thick of this catastrophe. We brought one more from disaster. And may God be glorified in our midst as a result of that. 
And we be spurred further on to say, you know what, if we can save one more, if we can save one more, if one more can pass from death unto life. So let us let us close in prayer. Father, we <coughs> we we come before you, Lord, and we come to the throne of grace. And I just ask right now, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give us hearts of, of love and hearts of compassion. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to look outside of ourselves. I pray, Father God, that you would give us a loving heart. A loving heart, Lord God, that would will for, just like you, Lord, for no one to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God, help us to grow, Lord. Help us expand our faith. Lord, that we would not be lacking in faith. In fact, Lord, I pray that we would begin to see people come to salvation through our prayers. Lord, I pray that the gospel would advance. Father, I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would see one soul after another after another be added to these groups and that they would be discipled and that they would grow up into their holy faith. Lord, may we travail in birth pains until Christ be formed in mankind. Holy Spirit, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Father, may our hearts break for what breaks yours. Father, break our hearts for what breaks yours. May we not be indifferent to a dying world, Lord. Father, may we not allow the world to die and go to hell as we coast on. God, help us. Help us, Lord. Give us your heart. Give us your heart, God, I pray. Holy Spirit, begin to convict those, Lord, who who are indifferent, who don't really care too much. Give us a heart like Paul, God. Have unceasing anguish and continual sorrow for my own people. I pray for every nation that's represented here, Lord God. Father, bring people from every nation. God, I don't want to see a spiritual famine. I want to see more people be given life. And Satan's kingdom be demolished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit of God, would you just move in this place? Would you just move in this place, Holy Spirit? Begin to move and harp on the hearts of your people even now. Begin to harp on the hearts of your people. I'm not going to pray for any uh, everybody just for the sake of time and um, I'm just coming to a close already and I don't want us to this meeting to be any longer than it is but I want us to stay in a heart of prayer <coughs> and uh, I want to pray for Sister Amanda you're really impressing my heart right now so I want to pray for you hope you're there if you are give me a thumbs up or amen just 
in the chat or something just so I know you're listening. I don't want to pray and you're not maybe attending to something else right now. <laughs> Sister Amanda, are you there or you could speak up? Um, hello I wonder if she's driving or something well <clears throat> I'll just pray I'll, I'll pray for your students Sister Nancy and then hopefully uh, she comes to the um phone or god i just pray for for the students lord uh in the school system god um the sister nancy works at lord god father i pray that you lord would give her wisdom to know how to navigate lord father i pray that you would give her the grace and the wisdom lord god to to be able to shine the light of Christ, Lord God, and Lord, that she, Lord, would not be indicted or, or, or lose her job. God, I pray right now, Lord, that, that this, the heaviness, Lord God, in that classroom, Lord, would lift. Father, I pray that she would bring your presence there, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that she would continue to pray over her classroom, Lord God. I pray that she, I pray that they would begin to look to her like their own mother. Father, I pray that they would absolutely love Nancy, Lord God, and they would see her as a sentence and a source of protection. God, I pray that they would open up their hearts to her and that they would voluntarily and willingly share the problems that they go through, Lord God. I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, give her grace, give her insight in how to pray for them, Lord God. We pray against the satanic strongholds and bondages that are keeping these kids oppressed, Lord. Father, may they come to find everlasting life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Sister uh, Amanda, are you there yet? She fall asleep. <laughs> Hmm. Well, uh, let's uh, let's thank the Lord for. Yeah, I'll just pray for her, anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> Father, I just want to pray for Amanda right now, God. I I lift her up to you, Lord. Um, Father, I pray that she, if she's occupied, Lord, that she'd be able to hear this. Father, I just lift her up to you right now, Lord, and I pray that your anointing would come upon her. 
I pray that your anointing oil would come upon her right now. And Well, I hope you don't start crying that way. <laughs> Lord, I pray that your anointing would come upon her right now, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that everything that the devil wants to to hold her down with, Lord God, I pray that that trap that's holding her by the anchor, ankle would be snapped. Lord God, I pray that it would be snapped right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I ask of you, Lord, for your per- perfect will. And, and I feel impressed to say that you've been asking the Lord for his perfect will. And you've been wondering what exactly it is that he wants you to do. And, and have been conflicted. But here's, here's the word that the Lord has given me to share to you. The, the will of God brings peace to your life and it doesn't bring conflict. It does not bring conflict. And so from today forward, there is no need to be conflicted. You have to do what the Spirit of God is telling you to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help secure her heart. Lord, I, I come against fear, fear of having to make certain decisions. Lord, I pray right now, and I, I, I feel like you, you find a difficulty even to commit yourself to certain decisions and actions. And really the conflict comes not necessarily in the doubt, but in the difficulty of executing what you know to be right. Father, I pray by the Spirit of God, give grace to her today to be able to, to live out your will and God is saying that as you as you uh, execute his plans, that he will bring you the peace that you're looking for. That he will bring you the peace. And, and, and it's just always racing in your mind. It's always in the back of your head. You just can't shake it. It just keeps uh, coming and reoccurring. And, um, and you don't feel free. You don't feel free. You love God and you, you love him. And and you you're even uh, you know in your word and in but you still feel a conflict and you don't feel the complete freedom. But may that change today, right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit, just move on her heart, move on her heart right now, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, and and I I I hear that you you've even had other voices that you've heard that have been re- confirming this. And, and have told you, have given you certain advice, and you just still find uh, this resistance and, and conflict. But may that change to, today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, 